five, four, three, two, one. If we have any goals this season? Absolutely. We're going to win a lot of games. We're going to get in the playoffs. Touchdown, Bears! The Bears are what we thought they were. Go Bears! Bears Nation. We have a young football team. We're going to figure out how to finish and how to close games. We'll have a plan for that. There's just something that, that needs to be done, something that needs to be changed, needs to be fixed. We all need to look ourselves in the mirror and figure out how, what we can do to make this team better and ultimately win ball games. I'm tired of hearing, oh, we're getting better. We're going in the right direction, but we keep losing. As players and as a team, we, we want to win. We want to figure it out. Don't lose faith, guys. I don't lose. I win. It's time for the Bears Nation podcast with your hosts, Kevin Lapka and Jake Hassan. Get ready for a lot of fun and excitement. Powered by, powered by, powered by Bet, Bet, Bet Stamp. Strap it in. I know you're going to dig this. It's Bears Nation, baby. To the Batmobile. Let's go. All right, welcome back. It is Bears Nation podcast. It is Monday, October 31st, and for the second week in a row, for the second time in five days, six days, whatever, math is stupid anyway, we have a trade from the Bears to talk about that just overwhelmingly takes over the actual game talk, and that (laughs) is going to just dominate this episode, of course, because the Bears make a big move this afternoon that greatly impacts the team uh we'll get to that but myself jake Hassan, joined as always by kevin lapka and because of the nature of this episode because of the impact of this episode we brought in resident football expert kellen welcome back to the program the third the third guy the third unseen shadow of the show even though he's seen probably more than i am on the show uh everybody's in the house this time because it's just a huge move by the bears a huge move that impacts the rest of the season that impacts next season so let's get right into that uh Roquan Smith traded today for a second rounder a fifth rounder and a player who really just doesn't even matter so biggest part of this for me uh I mean you get rid of your best player you get rid of your team captain your team leader Kevin said last week the guy that's breaking the huddle every week before the game guy that's giving the speech before every game You ship that guy out. We saw what happened when you got rid of Robert Quinn, when you sent him to Philadelphia. We saw the immediate impact that had on this team. We saw Roquan Smith crying at his postgame. Not his postgame, but his his, uh, press conference. His, uh, you know, you get it, whatever. Midweek press conference. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Um, Anyway, but you saw that impacted. And now you get rid of and you send off a guy who's even more important than Robert Quinn. You take away basically the heartbeat, arguably, of this team. Uh, and you take away, of course, its best player. Of course, you get a second rounder back. That's huge. You get a fifth rounder back. That's huge. You have nine draft picks now in the 2023 NFL draft. But guys, I mean, first and foremost, one of your biggest leaders is gone, if not your biggest leader. And it's going to it's gonna be a rough rest of the season without your best player, your best defensive player by far. That's for sure. You know, we, here I was hopeful uh, that playoffs could still be in play for the Chicago Bears of 2022. That that conversation is all but over uh, at this point when you lose your Smith. So, uh, you know, we're on to bigger and better things anyway. You know, the whole purpose of this season was to see what you have for 2023 anyway. And, and really, you know, to, to make yourself some room and give yourself a little bit of leeway to be competitive. And that's exactly what they did. You know, I'll just put it out there. There's a lot I've seen. I believe the general reaction to the trade is positive among the Bears community. From what I've seen, it hasn't been an outrage. And I am with them. I think this is a trade 
that you had to, and maybe you didn't have to make it, but a good trade nonetheless for the Chicago Bears, right? The return that you get for Roquan Smith is interesting to me, right? Because you get a two and a five from the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, this isn't a Ravens podcast, but the question for them is, you know, are they really going to pay Roquan the money he's looking for because it appears that he is standing pat with his offer that he's you know he, he's self-representing himself and he's going to stay at this 20 million dollar largest linebacker deal in NFL history and he's not going to move from that that is evident well, right and that I mean they have to pay Lamar Jackson this exactly. season so, too so that's you, my point you mean to tell me they're going to pay Lamar Jackson and Roquan Smith a combined 80 million dollars right. a season or whatever it ends up being no they shouldn't do that and and that's why if you you know if you're the ravens you're essentially if they decide not to pay Roquan smith you're paying a second and fifth round pick for what is a rental for the last nine games of the season and this isn't a seven and oh team this isn't a six and oh team this is a five and three team in a competitive afc conference where you could lose a couple games here there and miss the playoffs you could have spent a second and fifth round pick on a player like Roquan smith and then miss the playoffs. And then, yeah, maybe you don't have to pay him in the offseason. But it's just a weird trade. But nonetheless, the return is great for the Chicago Bears. You now have two second-round picks. We saw what the Bears were able to do with those two second-round picks last year. We've seen Kyler Gordon come into his own. We know Jaquan Brisker has the potential to be an all-pro player. I love the fact that you're going to have three picks there in the first two rounds. And the ability, if there's somebody you really, really like in the first round, to trade up as well. That's something that has now uh, become available to you. I don't know if they necessarily will do that. It appears Ryan Poles really obviously likes to accumulate picks and not give them away. So I'm not sure trade-up is is in the books, but it, it's something that's possible now. And what Ryan Poles is doing, and the critical difference between him and Ryan Pace is this. He is setting up this team to be successful for not just 2023 and not just 2024, but for the next five to 10 years, right? And the the Ryan Pace era was defined by we're going to overspend to contend for a couple of years and mortgage the future. And if it doesn't work out, we're screwed for the final few years. And that's exactly what, what, it, what it turned out to be. What I believe the philosophy for Ryan Poles is, is obviously we're going to build for the draft. We're going to find value. We're going to save money. We're not going to overpay for anyone. We're going to build this from the ground up and we're going to build something that's sustainable for 10 plus years. And this is what good organizations do. And the most important thing is they have the quarterback situation figured out. And I know we'll talk more about Justin Fields, but that's my overall reaction to the trade. I think it's a positive thing. And I really do understand. And it's clear to me the vision and the mindset of what Ryan Poles is trying to do with this organization. Kellen, your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I, I, uh, you guys kind of hit it on the head, the both of you did. I, I'll say that, um, that for the Bears fans who are upset, and I think there are some out there on the, the band that we just traded away our best player and our two best players, you know, if you want to call them that, in the last five, six days, whatever it's been. But I think in the offseason, a lot of us said, why did we hire Eberflus? You know, why aren't we going this route that we see is revolving around Justin, like what the Jaguars did, how they spent a lot of money. Mm-hmm. They got the offensive head coach and Doug Peterson. Oh, look how that's going for them. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. So so like you see that and, and, and now you're like now Ryan Poles is rebuilding. Someone someone texted me today. My friend said, I don't like this. It feels like the Bears are tanking. This isn't a tank. This is a rebuild. You know what I mean? It's not a tank. It's a rebuild. And this is a big part of it. When you ship off pieces like that, Robert Quinn, who was a very good football player, even at his age, Roquan Smith, who was a very good young linebacker, one of the best in the business. But are those guys adding wins when it matters and it doesn't matter right now? And when it comes around to next year, Roquan will be a great player. 
I mean, we probably could afford to pay him, but that's just not the business run right now. We can't be this hypocritical fan base that wants the, this new age organization that is not 1985 anymore. We're not worried about off-ball linebackers and, mm-hmm. and the Singletaries and the Butkuses of the world. This is not what this is anymore. So you have to understand and appreciate that finally we are moving in a direction toward centering around it, a franchise quarterback that we'll talk about. Yeah, I think the big thing here is this This gives me, this move, a lot of confidence in Ryan Poles as the GM. This tells me that Ryan Poles understands his situation. He yes. understands what he's working with. We talked about all offseason how this roster, and even into the season, this roster, you can't compete with other Super Bowl-aspiring teams. Now, what I think ended up happening is, and especially maybe it even was after that first game against San Francisco, Ryan Poles saw that win and said, okay, Maybe I have a little bit more talent than I thought. Maybe Jaquan Brisker is an impact guy right away. Eddie Jackson's bouncing back. Roquan Smith is who we thought he is. You know, maybe I have a little bit more talent than I thought. Not enough to get to the playoffs or maybe to the playoffs and be in the hunt, quote unquote, And but you're not getting to the Super Bowl. You know, Kevin's favorite word, in the hunt. But you can't get to the Super Bowl. You're not winning the Super Bowl. And now I got to start shipping these guys out because, no, we're not tanking, but the best move for this organization over the next two to three years, and especially for this season, is to lose games because that is how you get back to that championship aspiration. That's how you get back to the playoffs and not just perennially in the hunt. That's how you get to where you want to be. So this gives me a lot of faith in Ryan Poles going for it. Mm-hmm. Because not only has he had a solid draft after his first draft, uh, Brisker looks great. Gordon's getting better every week. Braxton Jones continues to have moments. Dominic Robinson didn't play as much as we wanted last week, but I still have faith that he can be an impact player. And then, of course, the guys that he brought in and how he's evaluating these guys I think Ryan Poles knows exactly what his situation is. And maybe this maybe this makes sense with the you know, because everyone I saw a couple of people say, oh well, Roquan, we went through all that in the offseason just for us to get rid of him anyway. This says to me that there was an agreement worked out. Hey, you come and play and just, you know, just be there. Just be on the field, you know, morale, be there for the guys. And the first chance we get, I'll trade you. And I'll trade you to a playoff contender and I'll get you out of here. That that's what yeah. that says to me. Yeah. Now that's that's probably galaxy brain. That's probably conspiracy. That's probably not what happened. But who knows? The way that things happened with Roquan Smith, because it was so sudden, remember, that he was just back at practice one day. He was just right. out there. It was no, 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 no. Oh, he's here. Oh, oh, he's out on the field now. Okay. So maybe that's me just trying to read between the lines too much. But I think Ryan Poles made some kind of, you know, handshake agreement with Roquan Smith and said, I'm gonna get you out of here whenever I can when I get the right deal. A second and a fifth is great. This is now Ryan Poles is mm-hmm. two for two and getting exactly the value that you should have gotten. Robert Quinn maybe could have gotten you a third, but why wait around and why wait for him to maybe get hurt against Dallas? Same with Roquan right. Smith. Maybe would have desperate team have given you a first at some point? Maybe, but you'll take a second and a fifth right now because that's still just as valuable. Look what you did with your second round pick last exactly last spring, winter, whatever you want to call it. You got Brisker and Gordon, like two guys that you think are going to be here for a very long time. So I think Ryan Poles is doing a great job. This puts makes me have a lot of confidence in him going forward. And now we hear today now too, because then obviously the next question is, oh, well, who's going to be gone next? And logically, the next logical answer is, well, Eddie Jackson, having a bounce back no. here. He looks great. Well, Kevin, mm. easy, relax. They, say, they announced today, Eddie Jackson's a permanent captain the rest of the yeah. year. They're they're keeping him now. Maybe part of that is that nobody Good. wants to take on that massive salary that he has after one bounce back year. That's a possibility, but also he's still fairly young too at a premium position. You know, linebackers in the NFL come and go, even as good as they are as Roquan Smith. 
impact DBs, especially safeties, especially ball hawking safeties like Eddie Jackson, you don't get those guys that often. Look how long it took to pair one adequate safety with Eddie Jackson forever. Look how much you rotated right. you guys until you got to Jaquan Brisker. You had to draft him. You didn't even buy, like you didn't even sign him off the street. You had to draft him, and that had to work out exactly in your favor then too. So I, I think Eddie Jackson, he's staying. That's what that says to me. But just back to my original point. Ryan Poles knows what his situation is, and this screams that he knows that, and he knows what they have to do. It's not tanking. To Kellen's point, it's, it's not, a rebuild. Right. It's not a tank. It's a rebuild, and this is what's best. This isn't going to happen you know, tomorrow. This is going to happen at yeah. best next season. And to be at the best situation possible next season, got to lose some games because you're already behind the eight ball. I think Tankathon right now has you in like the mid-teens. Granted, things can still fall apart. You know, you expect – Vegas and Jacksonville may be a little bit better. Cleveland's probably going to be a little bit better. Tampa. But right now you're projected for the 12th overall pick. Teams ahead of you, Arizona, Denver, New Orleans, Tampa Bay. Hopefully you can get into the top 10 when those teams start playing better. And then who knows from there. I, I just, I'm almost cautious to even use the word rebuild though, because the difference between the Bears situation is 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 huge between the bears and 99% of other rebuilds and the traditional scripted rebuild right when you think about teams that enter a rebuild you probably got a 37 year old quarterback who's not good anymore or you've been going through a carousel of guys and you're tanking you're looking for a quarterback in the, the first yeah. round and the colts you know, are staring one down right now that's exactly the team one that I was right thinking now. of you know the colts are a perfect example and then you look you know the texans who are, who are going to draft a guy you know you know some of these other teams the Bears have the most important piece locked down. Like the the rebuild is accelerated. Like when you had to enter the offseason saying, hey, we don't even have to worry about that. We can use our first round pick and a skill player to elevate the quarterback and elevate his play. But also understanding that from what we've seen in these last two games, the quarterback on your team is elevating the team way more than any other player on the field. Like Roquan Smith isn't isn't giving you wins. Justin Fields is going to be the one week in and week out winning you your football game. It's not Roquan Smith. It's not Robert Quinn. And for that point, I think that was recognized by Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, especially the past couple games, saying, hey, you know, our, our defense is getting carved apart, but we're still in this game because of Justin Fields. You can assuredly say on Sunday and the week for, for two weeks in a row, the best player on your team was Justin Fields. The best player on your team was the quarterback. And I don't, I, when was the last time you could say that about a Chicago Bears quarterback? Well, legitimately, when was the last time you could say in back to back football games, the quarterback was the best player on your team ever? Like, legitimately. <laughs> God. Not, I've been alive for 22 God. years, and I don't, maybe a stretch or two here with Cutler. That's what I was thinking. Maybe, maybe there was like, a Cutler point, but maybe I, there, had, there had to have been a stretch in 2018. There had to have been. A Mitch stretch? The, 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 there might have there, there was never a Mitch stretch because it was always Cleo <laughs> Mack or Eddie Jackson or that's Kyle a good Fuller, point. That, yeah, that's a good, good point. point. It's just God. look, the, the, the bottom God line is I feel <laughs> I, again like I'm fine. Like if the defense takes a hit next year, I don't care because you are going <laughs> buddy, to win. Buddy, the defense is going to take a hit this year. You almost got 50 oh, burgered. Yeah. Well, we know Dallas Cowboys, and now you just got rid of your best defensive player. <laughs> it's going to be a long, long couple weeks. But I, I'm just saying, like, there, there's so many Bears fans now who, who see the trades and they see, all right, you just lost two of your best defensive players. Oh, they're burning down Hallis Hall. That's that's not the case. Like, like the Bears are in arguably, I would go as far as to say, the Bears might have the best position 
in any team in the NFL right now uh, of all teams with a losing record. The Bears might be in the best situation of any team in the league currently with a losing record. I mean, I, I would have to go. I'm sure there's one other team that has a losing record that might be in a fine no. situation. Just having no, a bad here, year, here's but. why we're in the best position, Kevin, is because we just lost by 20 and we almost gave up 50 points and all of us are excited. We're all all Bears fans right now are looking positive. We feel positive. I don't think any other team in the league yesterday could have lost how we did and felt good. You know what I mean? So Correct. I, we're, I think we're fine, man. I think we're making the right moves. This is good. I didn't mean to cut you off. I didn't know if you had no. more to say. but No, no, no. Go on. I mean, like, because <clears throat> you're right. Because I was going to say that to you guys. I was like, I, I, was, I, I was not upset yesterday. Like, mm-hmm. that game ended. We all, <laughs> they dropped 49 on us. And I was like, eh. That's fine. Like, I, I don't care. You know what I mean? And like, you guys know me. You guys know me, right? You know how I react to these games. And most times in that situation, you lose by 20 and you lose in the way you did, especially a game that at points looked winnable, was winnable. You're you're down 28-3 at a certain point. Uh, you should be upset at that. And I'm just like, yeah. nah, like, I'm good. Like, I'm going to just go watch the 3 o'clock games, pay attention to my fantasy team. We're good. We're this, straight. We're this chilling. This was the worst text I got from Kevin Lapka on Sunday. Roquan needs to make that play. Well, he's not on the team anymore. So there you go. There, there you go. go. But do you know what play I'm talking about? Uh, it was, I want to say it was fourth down, maybe. And Roquan shot the gap on Pollard. No, I think it was the touchdown play. I think it was the touchdown play that Pollard well, regard- scored regardless. down the sidelines. Kevin, regardless, I'm going to say now what I said to you in the reply text, that when I te- what I texted you back, and what I said last week. That was the ideal game. That is what every Bears mm-hmm. game ideally looks like for the rest of the year. Justin Fields looks awesome. Khalil Herbert looks great. And the offensive line looks pretty good against a pretty good defensive front. And you still lose the game. That's what you want. That is exactly what the game plan, what the play script, what the ideal scenario is for the rest of the year. Justin Fields continues to take strides. Justin Fields continues to look awesome, making plays with his arm and his leg, making throws like he did to Nikhil Harry and making these great runs, not just scrambles, but also designed. And then the offensive line keeps holding up. Everyone stays healthy and you lose the game. That's what you want. It sucks rooting for losses. I get it. It's the worst. Yeah, but that's where we're at. Like that's, God, I said it again, but that's the situation. That's where we're at. Oh, no. That is the situation. Like that's exactly what you want to happen. Like, I get it. Nobody likes rooting for losses. So don't mm-hmm. root for losses. Just root for Justin Fields to be awesome and root for the defense to suck. Like, it, that's just what you have to do. If you want Justin Fields and this team to get better, you need losses. And you can do that with him still looking great. There are people like, well, if Justin Fields is getting so much better, then you shouldn't be losing games. That is not true at all. Look what just happened. Here is also the reason why I don't th- – I, I wouldn't say I disagree, Jake. Because obviously we're going to root for wins, but I think we all want a first-round tackle or a wide receiver. I, you know, I, I, Bears fans I think will be very pissed off if it's not one, either one of those. Every wide receiver who is supposed to go anything, right? Any O-line receiver, right? And every first-round receiver right now who was thought to be a high pick: Jackson Smith and Jigba, Kayshawn Booty, Jordan Addison, and Quentin Johnston. They are all falling right now. And the tackle class is very deep. I can't remember the left tackle from Penn State, but you know, barring the best game of a defensive player from the whole season by JT Tuimaloa, that guy's a really good player. There's Paris Johnson, there's Peter Skaronsky, who's a Chicago kid. And there will be options there. No, I, you know, the Bears will not pick in the 20s because they're not going to go that far. 
but even where they're at now, 12, and I think it will, I think they will move up the board. I think they'll be in the top 10, but even if they stay in that mid teens, I still think there's plenty of room to get better. Mm-hmm. You never know what'll happen, you know, in the draft. And I trust polls to get better. I trust polls to make the right decisions for the team. But, you know, like I said, I'm not going to root for losses, but I got out of my game yesterday and it was about 530 my time and game probably ended like 415, 430, maybe a little bit before that. Right. So I get out, I check my phone and I see the Bears lose and I'm like, all right, how'd Justin do? Oh, 17 for 23, blah, 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 yards, two touchdowns. And he had a good day on the ground. No turnovers. I'm like, awesome. Well, let me make sure that this isn't just like, you know, Justin Fields, like, let me make sure that this was an actual good, you know, well-executed game from. So I searched his name on Twitter and most of Twitter is complimenting him. And, was, and it's like, let's go. Right. And I, and then I, I, I don't remember if I texted Kevin or not, but I was like, how did he do? And you called me. I, we, we someone, yeah. And I was like, how did he do? And, you know, you see the steps, you see the stride. So I think it's all falling into place right now. We're not going to see it this year. Um, and I'm, Trent Dilfer was on the score, um, like he usually is on Mondays, um, as Kevin knows. And he said, like, the toughest part about this year for the Bears is going to be Justin and being frustrated that yes, they is, are not yes. playing to be a champion, right? Like, every week, Justin is, you know, he eventually he's going to get frustrated. You know, why are we handing the ball off down 20? Why, mm-hmm. you know, let him put the cape on every once in a while. And again, we'll talk about that later. But you know, the trades at all, that all works its way into forming your team to not be okay with losses, but to build a team around to understand the rebuilding. You know, Jalen Johnson said today, he said, I, I know that Bulls is making decisions that are trying to benefit this franchise's future. So I think the guys get it. I hope the fans get it. I think we're making the right moves. The second and the fifth is just fine with me and the fourth for Robert Quinn. I think that's a great, those are three really good picks for those two players. Yeah, I mean, what you're looking at right now is a handful of picks in the top five rounds, which is great. And to Kellen's point, I want to circle back to something that he said um, about how some of these receivers are falling. You know, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, we said there's going to be three receivers taken in the top 10. Right now, Tankathon has the Bears taking the second wide receiver of the entire draft at number 12. Has them taking Quentin Johnson at, at 12 and Jackson Smith and Jigba going five to the Jaguars. Other than that, it's all defensive players and tackles. So to his point, some of these guys are going to slide, and obviously, of course, that can change from now. I mean, it's a long season still. There's still obviously the combine and all these things to go to, and then there's always surprise followers and risers, so on and so forth. We know, but you know, you're still going to rise, and you're still going to be in a better spot. Like, does anyone really think that you know Tampa Bay is going to end up picking eighth overall? Does anyone really think that's going to happen? You know, does anyone really think that Denver is going to finish and end up giving their the Seahawks the tenth overall pick? Like you're going to have wiggle room here. Like, you know, yeah. there's going to be, you're not, you're not locked in at 12. It's a lot That's of true. season. There's a yes. lot of, there's been eight games. You have nine games left. There's a lot to go still. And there's a lot of uh, these mock drafts. Of course, it's always the dangerous game when you look at them now, but it's not doom and gloom. And this is a forward thinking move to Callen's point. Like this is a forward thinking point. And of course, Jalen Johnson is going to say, well, I know he's making you know, moves that benefit the team because Jalen Johnson is about to get paid a yeah. lot of money. Jalen Johnson's like, oh, great. Roquan's gone. More money for me. Correct. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's just a guy who's like, oh, great. I'm going to get paid so much money. <laughs> yeah, he's down for it. And, and you're, you're talking about, you know, rooting for wins and stuff. And, and I've always long been a proponent when a team is in situations like this to say that wins still matter. And they do. Trust me, when you have a young team and establishing that culture, 
of we're, we're going to be a winning franchise is good. But at some point, I think it's recognized by not just us, but the, those in the locker room that, you know, you're just not talented enough as a group right now. You know, you're just not. But the thing is that the positive takeaway is these guys haven't been playing in a fashion that's a rollover and die format. It's they're playing competitive football. They're in every one of these games, regardless of the situation on the road at home against a good coach, against a good quarterback. It doesn't matter. They're in the game. And that, given the situation, is just as positive as a takeaway for me than it than is a win at this point. Because you know you're so far below talent uh, compared to a team like Dallas Cowboys that it, you you can come away from that game like assuredly saying, and we haven't been able to do this before, if we had CeeDee Lamb, and we had Micah Parsons, we win that football game. You know, previously you couldn't say that because you didn't you, you didn't know where the issues lied. You didn't know if the issue was the quarterback. You didn't know if the issue was the head coach. You didn't know if the issue was the lack of talent. In the past four years, when the Bears were struck or after 2018, when they struggled to to win games like that, you didn't know where to paste the blame. Now it's hey, we have the quarterback, he's playing well. We believe the coach is coaching these guys well. We understand that the clear and obvious solution is to just add a little bit of talent. And once we, you know, kind of come back to the mean of average talent level in the NFL among these teams, we're going to be a winning team. You know that. And it's and it's it's refreshing to know that. It's so refreshing to know that everything is in your hands to be able to go into the offseason and have the resources to make this team better and come away from that saying, you know what, if we do spend the money and we do, you know, draft in at least a somewhat correct way, we're likely going to be a winning football team in 2023 and set ourselves up to be probably the winners of the NFC North for the next four years. I mean, you look at this division and you look at what's occurring this year in this division. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers are done. The Detroit Lions are still a work in progress. And the Kirk Cousins are, to me, a flash in the pan. Or Did I say the Kirk Cousins? Did I really Kirk say Cousins. that? Yeah. The Minnesota Kirk Cousins. The Minnesota fighting Kirk Cousins. I can't believe I said that. Oh, uh, my Lord. The Minnesota Vikings, a flash in the pan, the Minnesota Kirk Cousins. I, I think you have a real opportunity. I can't even take myself seriously with my point. You have a real opportunity to win the division for the next four years after this year. That That's what I think we're looking at. Absolutely. And I'm and I'm excited. I, I think that the, the Vikings are a solid option. You know what I mean? So um, I just got a visitor from my running back into my bedroom. <laughs> but um, hold on. Give me like give me like five minutes. Yeah, um, but um, dang, I forgot what I was even talking about. But the division, yes, 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 the division. Um, Minnesota, I think, I don't know if they're a flash in the pan, but um, they're going to be tough going forward. I mean, look, they've got really good players. They've got Christian Darasau at left tackle. Obviously, we don't have to talk about um, Justin Jefferson. They've got Daniil Hunter. They've got Patrick Peterson, who might not be what he is right now going forward, but I think the talent that they've got is, is suitable to compete with that. I don't think we're looking at like a prime Rogers, prime Favre, well, Green no, Bay, right? God, like a, no. like a, like a monster that we just, could you're not fearful of in. them game in and game. Right. Out. Right. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Cause at the end of the day, like next year, the, the bears might have the best quarterback in the division. And I know Rod, you know, barring Rogers still being there. Um, and even if he is there, I mean, the, the regression we've seen from him, and, you know, he doesn't have the playmakers around him. And I don't think that – I don't know what the Packers are in projected cap space, but as of right now, it, it's not looking good as, as, as it is with the Bears. And someone asked in the comments, like, well, this is – it's kind of worrisome because the Bears have a lot of money in a free agent class that is not super strong. But, Kevin, me and you talked about that. And I think 
Poles cannot be Trent Balk. You can't overpay for guys just because they're available. And I think he understands that. If 2023 isn't the year, that doesn't mean that 2024 isn't. So you can't like you can't afford to waste that opportunity because mm-hmm. your window is not just one year. Your window is not just next you year. Go. Your window is as long as you have there you this go. quarterback and as long as you can build around him. And that's what I mean about Ryan Pace is it felt like each offseason, it was like a reset window. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, we didn't do it last year. He's leaving the stream for a second. Uh Reset the window. Let's overpay again. Oh, it didn't work out. Reset. Let's overpay again. Like there was no forward thinking. Thought. I don't even think I wanna... it was that, Kevin. I think it was just always kick the can down the road. It was always, sure. we're going to restructure this contract. We're going to convert right. this Retool. to a signing bonus. We're going to do this. You know, how mm-hmm. many times do we see, oh, Akeem Hicks now had this part of his contract converted to signing bonus, and now you have to pay him in 2028. Oh, Khalil Mack had his contract restructured to now that blah, blah, blah. How many times did that happen? Every winter, it was two or three guys almost, and it was just you knew you knew that if you didn't start seeing the success, eventually you were going to have to pay the price for that, and that's what ended up happening, obviously. And now with Ryan Poles, it's like, okay, we're not going to do that. I'm going to cut bait here, and of course, obviously, it's a different situation. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to say something about the division. Obviously, I'm the pessimist on the show. I think the division could be really tough. One, I said this last week. Once the Lions get you know C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, whoever they end up picking, because they're going to be in the top three. That offense is going to be pretty scary with Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, but uh, it was scary this year, and then look at where they're at. Right, so it's scary this year, and then they add players on defensive free agency, and they get a better quarterback. I, I maintain that the Lions could be scary, if not next year, the year after that. The Vikings, O'Connell might just be an awesome coach. And it, and we see I think that's true. How, but... And we've seen how much a top-two coach can make out of nothing even if you're still just leaning on Kirk Cousins for the next three or four years, O'Connell himself just might be able to elevate them. Even if Green Bay falls off, let's say Rodgers is sick of it and he retires this year, and then you're, you get Jordan Love. The other two teams might rise enough where it makes it tough. I agree. The Bears have the quarterback, and they might, and it could still theoretically be their division, quote unquote. But I just don't think it'll be the cakewalk that we're making out to be at well, this moment yeah. in time. But of course, I, I you want to spin it forward and be positive, look, uh, look looking forward. Obviously. Well, I mean, that that's what I do. You know me. But I, I, it's not going to be a cakewalk. I'm just saying, like, there, there's no more dominant force in the NFC North. Like, the, like the it's up the for grabs. I, it's up for grabs because the Vikings have 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 proven to be inconsistent year in and year sure. out. Yeah, there's not a power game. vacuum anymore. With right? Just, no, Rodgers and everybody else. Exactly, and that's I what I mean. That. It's like if, if we had to play the Vikings each year, we. 17 to win the division like I that, that you know like that's I could see it coming down to that and that's that's you're winning likely. at least half of them you're winning at least half not more. Of them. so I want Kellen to come back here Kellen get your ass back in here because I have a great question and Jake you're gonna you're probably gonna think I'm crazy for even asking it Usually but do, but yeah because of what has occurred in the last two games I think it's a very reasonable question to ask and it's something oh, that God. I talked about I already am scared of where this is going no it's yeah is Joseph Fields gonna be a hall of famer next it's year just no, Fields the MVP this year yeah, it's, it's Justin Fields. Okay, can we have a real conversation about Geno Smith MVP? That that's something to yeah, be talking about. Anyway, anyway. What, what's the odds for that? Uh, anyway, Colin's not going to jump back in here because he's the worst. But I'll ask you the question: Is it reasonable? And you have to really think about it. And I want you to pull up the teams in the NFC because you need to see the teams to kind of go through it in your head. Is it reasonable to say that in 2023 Justin Fields could be the best quarterback in the NFC? When you look at the teams and you look at the quarterbacks and Kellen's back, so I'll ask it again. Make it a perfect time. So I have a great question here, and Jake's already heard it, so don't spoil it. But 
My question is this, Kellen. Is it possible, and I want you to pull up all the teams in the NFC right now, is it possible that by next year, 2023, and definitely by 2024, Justin Fields is the best quarterback in the NFC conference? Is when there look a at chance? All the teams, I, I... Is it possible? Is it possible that he's the best quarterback in the NFC as soon as next year? I mean, look at the teams, right? I think he can be a better quarterback than Jalen. So, oh, so basically, basically, what this this question comes down to is: Do you think Justin Fields will be better than Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, mm-hmm. and Kyler Murray, and whoever, and and maybe Matthew Stafford, and maybe the rookie, and then guys, Geno Smith. Don't forget about the big G. <laughs> if he if he sustains it next year, so. Sure. And then the other two I'll throw in there just because, you know, that's usually the nature of their picks. Whoever the Lions and Panthers draft in the top three, because that's just the nature of those type of picks. But basically you're asking is because you did include 2024 in this as well. So mm-hmm. it's basically can Justin Fields be better than those five? Um, uh, he can. I don't think it happens because I think the Eagles have done a really good job of surrounding Jalen Hurts, and I don't think they're – I don't think that he takes a step back next year. That's a um, very fair point. I do think he can be better than Kyler. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think um, he is better than Kyler at this given point in time. You know what I was going to I think he up? does more for you than Kyler Murray. I can do it later in the show, but like Justin doesn't make decisions that you look at him like like the Indiana game in 2020. You don't he doesn't make a lot of decisions where it's like what fuck are you doing like there aren't a lot of you know like the zach wilson picks or like there's times when kyler murray there's times when like a lot of people do it but like when you think of like young quarterbacks Jalen hurts has done a really good job of limiting that but every interception this year i don't i don't remember the packers one but he had the one against the 49ers which he said like they just fooled me like i just straight up got fooled every pick has been tipped okay the the commanders one was tipped patriots one was tipped um he had two, and he had the, the the two the two against the Texans, but both of those were just misses. Like I'm not worried about Justin Fields missing throws because right. I think his accuracy will just he's he's an accurate guy as it is, and it will just become better over time. But there's not a lot of throws. You know, there's times when he takes sacks, and you're like, yeah, we got to get the ball out, or you we got to see that quicker. But there's Correct. not a lot of like turnovers and picks that are happening where it's very worrisome. I think that's a very good part of being a quarterback and, and still being able to put the ball downfield. Cause you could be Aaron Rodgers, like the meme where it's like Aaron Rodgers is like, guys, let's go. Like I just didn't, I went in another game without throwing a pick. And it seems like we just fucking lost by 20. Like who cares? You know? So it's like, <laughs> exactly, it's yeah. like one of those. So um, I'm happy with that. I think he can be like a top three guy. I, I think that it'll be cool if we can surround him to be in that. Um the Eagles and Cowboys have pretty good supporting casts around the QBs right now. Yeah, so but I Dak, would still I mean, Dak, the edge. Dak was fine last week. But the reason I asked this question, and Jake, I'll throw it to you because I, I know the reason why I said I prefaced this whole conversation was because of what has happened the last two weeks. Jake, if I asked you this question two weeks ago, you would have jumped off the show immediately. I mean, you, yeah, you, I know, quit. you, you, you would have quit. You would have quit the podcast. But it's a legit I would have stopped being your friend, honestly. You, you, you yeah, would have been booted from the circle. I, I know. I, oh, you can't boot me from the Twitter circle, man. I that is sacred to me. I cannot be booted from the Twitter circle. But the reason, the, the other reason why I brought this up is, if he is a top three quarterback in the NFC, that would mean next year he is at least a Pro Bowler and has a very good chance to be an All Pro in 2023. If you believe he's a top three quarterback in the conference next year, so. 
Sure. We, we are possibly looking at an all-pro quarterback for the Chicago Bears. I also would like to say th- there is a non-zero chance that Lamar Jackson leaves the Ravens and ends up in the AFC. It's a non-zero chance. I'm not saying it's likely. <laughs> yeah. Non-zero. Um, the Ravens are going mean, to let again. Lamar walk and sign Roquan to $40 billion. <laughs> I'll say it again. Uh, back to my original point. The question basically becomes, can or do you believe Justin Fields will be better than Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, and two rookies? I think it'll be better than the two rookies next year, mm-hmm. at least, uh, for sure. Just because look at what the rookies of the last couple classes have I guess done. you could include Trey Lance if you really, really I won't. Wanted. I will not include Trey either, Lance. Yeah, I'm uh, just because you have seen 0.0% of what he can do. Um, I think he can be better than Dak. Um, so then the question basically becomes, do you think Jalen Hurts is going to regress? And do you think Kyler Murray is not going to revert back to the mean? Because... I don't think Kyler Murray's as good as he was in the prime of last season. I don't think he's as bad as he's been this year. I think the answer is so. I think Kyler Murray's a really good quarterback. I don't think he's somewhere in the middle of those two things. I agree with you. I think Justin Fields can be top three, top two in the conference. Uh, I believe that there could be a stretch at some point where he maybe is top of the conference. I don't think it'll be wire to wire. Okay, Justin Fields is the guy. Yes, absolutely. He's the best quarterback in this conference for sure. Don't think it's going to happen. It just... Now, could be wrong. He might just be no, awesome. Fine. Jake, you know, the this, fact that you're saying the, that he could be top three is warming my heart. I never I thought we'd get here. I never thought we'd that. get here. What is this? Is this Jake? Is, uh, who, what, what, what are you dressing up for Halloween? This, what this, is, this, is two weeks, this is two weeks of progress. This is two weeks it of finally seeing good football. Jake. This is two weeks of seeing the guy actually perform the way we expected. Are you the guy behind the Bears blog? Because that's exactly yeah, what yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have time for that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I have the time and energy to do that 1,000%. Oh, yeah. oh, um, yeah. No. The, so, I mean, this is going to segue good into, you know, for the game recap for the last yeah. uh, bit of this show. Justin Fields, for the second week in a row, was awesome. Now, you didn't win because of him this week, and that sucks, yeah. But for the second week in a row, Justin Fields was phenomenal. Not just running, which is what we had seen far far too many times. Oh, he ran great, but didn't really pass great. He passed fantastic. That ball to Nikhil Harry for the touchdown was exactly what we've been dreaming about for the since he was drafted. A ball where only the receiver can get it, a ball that is going to you just put it where he can get it and you hope that he can carry it into the end zone or make a big play. And he did. And credit to Nikhil Harry. Like he looks like he's just going to keep carving out a role here. It looks like he's kind of Good. building a rapport with Justin Fields, which is great because this is his second week active basically. And, you know, he had the one catch against the Patriots and it was a chunk play. And I was like, okay, great. You know, I think they're easing him in, which is fine. You know, he was hurt. He's coming off a pretty bad injury. Fine. That's fine with me. Second week back, catches a big touchdown that makes the game close and kind of puts you in the game. And then obviously we know what happened after that. That's great. We'd love to see that because that's a guy then if Ryan Poles can bring in a guy for a seventh round pick and you hit on him and now you can rely on him, he doesn't even have to be a number one. If he could be a number two next year or just a red zone threat like he was against Dallas. Awesome. That is perfect. That's what you'll take for a seventh rounder all day, every day. But back to my original point, Justin Fields for the second week in a row did things that you were like, hell yeah, where you were like, this is what we've been waiting for. And not only that, not only did he do it, he did it two weeks in a row. And I think that's the big point for me. How long yep. have I been saying, Kevin, that we need to see the consistency and the weeks of good games strung together? We need them all together. We need the consistent steps forward and not the one step forward, two steps back, or two steps forward, three steps back. Because we saw that after the Vikings game. You had the Vikings game and that second half, then you had the Commanders game. Bounce back, 
after the mini mini buy, whatever, however you want to call it. And you have the Patriots game and then you have the Cowboys game. And remember, I was worried last week. I thought Micah Parsons could be a game record. I thought Diggs could, uh, could wreck that game for you. And he almost did that interception that he almost had with one hand would have no, been sick. That, and that would have just been props. That right. would have, and, and it was anyway. It was, it was just props. He was an, an athletic play. He read it perfectly. That's just one of the top defensive backs in the NFL doing what he does. The, you know, kudos to him. If if it's against any other corner in the NFL, that's probably an awesome throw that you get for a first down. Like, it just is what it is. But even those misses where you're like, oh, if it's anybody else, you know, defending that pass, you probably make it happen. Like, Justin exactly. Fields has done it out for two weeks in a row. The Dolphins, you know, they're a good defense. But you just saw what you could do against a good defense. You could still make things happen here. So, I I'm st- like I'm not going to say you're I'm all in. Come on, come on. I'm not Kevin Lapka levels in on Justin Fields, but I'm confident that he can be the guy. Now, remember Kevin? Remember a month or two ago that I said I wasn't sure Justin Fields was a lock to be on the roster next year? Yeah, yeah. I mean he's in. I'll say that now. Okay, good. Like, I'll throw yeah. that opinion out the window. I, I, like he's playing well enough now where you're like, okay, we'll keep we'll keep around. We'll stick with it. Now, because this is what this is the guy you signed up for. This is the guy you were hoping for. And he's starting to be that guy. Now, just keep it going. Luke Etsy, credit to him, too. If this keeps, if he learned his lesson, which is what it looks like, great. That makes it even better. Now, can we please, God, get the offensive line healthy so we can stop doing the seventh or eighth or ninth or tenth different combination of <laughs> offensive linemen? Jesus Christ. And, and this is, again, the reason why these performances are that much more impressive. Like, guys, he's looked like the his best supporting QB in his class, sucks. and his supporting class is significantly worse than every one of those QBs in the class, oh, aside boy. from maybe Davis Mills in the, in the Houston Texans. Um, right? Because it was – Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, but because they still got Laramie Tunsil and, and, and Brandon Cook that's who true. They, the trade block, yeah. but, I mean, there's no their one in the was like that. I mean, is there, so is there a way we can merge the Houston Texans offensive line then bring them to Chicago for, like, I don't know? Uh, like we'll we'll take we'll take Miles Smith as the linebackers coach if we can get the Texans offensive line. <laughs> yeah, honestly, we'll take it. That is totally fine with me. I mean, it's just like uh, the I was extremely impressed, and I think it's the best game of his career. I, I think it was the best game of his career. Again, you know, we had to remember the narratives before the game of oh, this is the best defensive front in football, and they lead the league in sacks, and the way that they've the defensive player to, of the year. They do. I mean, he's the defensive player of the year, even though he was kind of. Not on the field that much on Sunday. I, I think he was dealing with an injury. Yeah, um, but obviously, he he made plays when he was on the field. He was he was a game wrecker. I, I just i i've I've never been more impressed, and I've never been more excited. You know, out of Justin Fields, and admittedly, at times, like you do get skeptical. For as much as I had been in on him, like you do get worried mm-hmm. that you know about certain aspects of the game uh, about his game. But on Sunday, like. Uh, you know, you, you, you add the Vedas Jones Jr. If you, if he catches that football, okay, that's another 50 yards on the, the stat sheet. That's also a play that goes viral on the internet. Cause he dropped it in the absolute bucket. Uh, it, it really, the only place he can catch it. And in the bucket, man. He, he, I mean, they're saying it on the broadcast. Throw. I mean, they're saying on the broadcast on radio and TV, they're saying you don't make a better throw than that. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> like you just yeah. have to catch it. You, yeah. You don't. Uh, and just, you know, again, I, I think the one of the main things for me about that game, and, and we've seen it multiple times this year now, is the Bears have gone down and gone down significantly, and they have clawed their way back into those games, not because they're getting defensive scores, not because, you know, the, the defense is bringing you back. I mean, yeah, they had to make some stops, but because 
the offense is bringing you back into that game. And Justin Fields is bringing you back into that game. Down, you know, they were down, what, what was it, 28-24-3? I forget how much they were down uh, there. Maybe it was 28. Like I don't know what it was. It was something well, crazy, I think right? it was 28-0. Was it 28-0? I don't think it ever got to 28 28-7. 28-7, right? And, again, we've seen Chicago Bears teams in the past couple of years roll over and die. And I'll be honest. I'm sitting on my couch at that game, during that game, 28-7. And I'm thinking to myself, we still have a shot. Like, like I had faith that Justin Fields was going to bring you back into that game. And you could force Dak to make a mistake, and he did. You know, we talked about that in the pregame show. Under the Force Dak to throw the ball a little bit more down the field. And good things are going to happen for your defense and did for Eddie Jackson. But just the ability to stay resilient. And this was something we've talked about before the draft. Last year, this year, one of the more redeeming qualities of Justin Fields as a quarterback and one of the most important things for a guy who we believe can at one point lead this team to a Super Bowl is to be able to not stay down when your team is down significantly, to come back and to be a dog and to bring your team back into the games and really put the team on your back. Like Greg Greg, uh, Greg Jennings, if y'all remember the clip, broken leg in Madden, running down the field, put put the the team team on on his back. back. Darren Shopper, one of the most hottest-hitting safeties in the league. <laughs> Fuck it. I put the team on my back. That was Justin Fields on Sunday. And although it didn't equate to a win, watching your quarterback put the team on his back is a special thing. And it doesn't happen for a lot of guys in back-to-back games, and it did for the Chicago Bears. So I'm just I, – I, I, I put, took a piece of tape on my jersey for Halloween, and I said I'm being him for Halloween. All right, I'm being Stop. not Justin Fields. <laughs> it's him, okay? This oh my this god! All right, he's him. It's Justin <laughs> Himothy Fields, and that's that's all I gotta say. Just him Fields. Just him Fields. Oh, that's perfect. Just him Fields. Just him Fields. Let's go. Yeah, man. This is a. Uh, you know what else is good to see too is like Luke Getzey, like a couple that's weeks ago, good. man. I was pretty close to being like, like get Luke Getzey the hell out of Chicago, yep. like yeah, fire fire this MF, like get him out. And there's still, I still think there's some things that they could be doing to make it easier. But sure. finally, you know, I feel like every and I and because I kind of wanted to please myself today, so I just watched all a bunch of Justin Fields videos and like people, you know, you know, talking good about him, and I watched the whole Dilfer video and all that. So I'm watching and I see all the comments and all the Twitter replies. And Dove Kleiman actually, he tweeted that he would rate Justin number one out of his class right now out of the quarterbacks because yeah. you know, Trevor Lawrence has had the struggles he's had. And um, everyone's like, damn, the Bears finally figured it out after a year and a half that they have a 6'3", damn near 4'3", 40 guy <laughs> that can throw accurately on the run and can head to your run game. Like, oh, my God, they finally figured it out. And thank God we did because, like, now – you see the difference. Like I said, Kevin, like I, so not all guys warm up like with quick game. Not all guys like get in the in the mood, get in the zone by throwing quick slants and hitches. Like some guys just need to get their legs under them first. Some mm-hmm. guys need to feel like they're a part of the run game. Mm-hmm. And I f- feel like you've seen comfortability with that. Like you've seen him be poised. You've seen him be a little bit more patient, a lot, you know, not leaving the pocket as much. I feel like you've seen that uh, the comfortability aspect raised a ton since since that since Getsy has kind of changed his offense to fit more around that. And like I said, I still think they could be doing more. And I know that they're trying to protect him with the run game and 
Uh, Mike talked about this and we keep talking about it, how, you know, this is just a team that is just not built to win right now. So you can, if you're going to throw the ball 40 times a game, your QB is probably going to get hit on eight, nine, 10 of those, if not more, you know, and that's a lot of hits for him to be taken. So you're just not going to throw that. But, you know, you look at Justin Fields game log, um, his, the, the, the first few games I've had it pulled up early and I let it go. I don't know why, but his first four games he had, you know, I saw all, this I all saw under this. 20. Yeah. They were all under 20 attempts. Like he was, his completion percentage was under 50. And I think almost all four. And now in the last four games, he's had, you know, over 160 yards in every start he's had, you know, the completion percentage has been in the seventies two, if not three times, if I'm not mistaken, he's limited the turnovers. He's running the ball more. I mean, that's what we want to see. Right. And it's only, we've only played eight games now this season. Like there's still nine more games to get better, which I think is where the good stuff will happen. And, you know, who knows, maybe one, two, three of those games, Justin doesn't have a good game, but I'll It'll take, happen. I'll it take will six happen. out of nine, man. I'll take I'll, as long as it's more than half, as long as we get five plus good games out of Justin Fields games where we, where we see it and we're like, that's our guy. Cause it, you know, like, you're right, Kevin, it will happen. Like that's just football. It happens to the best in the business. Look at Brady right now, you know, but it'll happen, but I'm very pleased. Roger. Yeah, exactly. I'm very pleased yeah. with the, the progress that the entire football team is making. And, um, you know, there are some times when guys just have to make plays like Bayless dropped that. And I know that, um, I don't know who the corner was that made the play on Dante Pettis in the end zone, but like sometimes you just got to put the ball up and your guy has to go make a fucking play, man. And Cole Komet. He, yeah. Cole Komet did that. I mean, and granted the throw was unbelievable too. Yeah. But, but like I, he was, he was that, open. Yeah. He was open. Like yeah. how many times think about, think about Ran it. A great route. Did, did Devontae Adams bail out Aaron Rodgers or how many times yeah. did DeAndre Hopkins bail out Kyler Murray? Freaking like, Tua Tungawailoa. There was the, the second oh. big throw he had to, to Tyreek Hill, but the announce literally goes underthrown by Tua again, but Hill makes the catch. That first big <laughs> throw of the game to EQ St. Brown, like EQ just literally overran it and did not make an attempt to come back to the ball. At the very least, you make an attempt to come back to the ball and you get a 50-yard pass interference. He didn't even make an attempt. He just That's didn't track the ball. Like, Every throw is not going to be At perfect. Justin does need to be better on that throw. 100% that throw needs to be one to two yards more out there. But damn, can I get an effort? Can I get something? <laughs> can, you, can you make a – can you can you do something, man? Like I, want that, I want that clipped for the rest of the season just – but damn, like that, we need that. that that's the story. The story of the 2022 Chicago Bears, you shut your ass up. The 2022 story of the Chicago Bears wide receiving core is – but damn, like that's it's just like God. These guys just stink. like Dante Pettis. Whatever that guy just stinks. Like he's just not good. Yeah, he like and, and, you know whatever. Can't but, play together. You know, like Velas Jones Jr. just might not be very good. Like it, it, that just might be how it is. Equinomia St. Brown. We know that guy is just not that good. Like that's why he's bounced around, and that's why even Aaron Rodgers couldn't make that guy very good. While his brother balls out with Jared fucking Goff. Like that's just yeah. how it is. You know. Yeah. So, but the thing is, like, you're right, Justin Fields, we see the development, we see him getting better. And one thing for me that I loved, loved from the Cowboys game was not once, but twice, and maybe three times, you heard free play for the Bears, and they Mm -hmm. just chucked it down there and said, screw it, let's see what happens. That was beautiful, because for the last, you know, 10 years, probably, you don't hear that. You had, especially during not the Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy era, especially not during the Mark Tressman era, especially not during the John Fox era. You never heard free play for the Bears. Never. It never. It never happened. 
And now you have the quarterback that A, can make teams pay for it. And you're playing disciplined football. Like this team just doesn't commit stupid penalties. They just don't, which is fantastic after last year when they were making them 20 times a game and they're the most penalized team in the league for dumb shit. But this year, this team plays disciplined and they get other teams to make stupid penalties that then you can capitalize on. Eventually, one of those is going to turn into free play for the Bears and they got it touchdown or whatever. That happened against Washington. Yeah, that was a free like, play. You're it? just going to hear it. Which one was those going to start happening? The touchdown of Dante Pettis on Thursday Night Football. That oh, it was, was a free, free play. play. You're right. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, Pettis on that one ball, he's running. I don't know exactly what kind of route it was, but he was facing the wrong. He was running the wrong. It, that was, was the best play. Was it was a, the wrong way. It was a leap. No, 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 no. Like, no. I'm talking about. No, I'm talking about this past week. Oh, if you remember the do you remember the Pettis play in the end zone? Yeah, he was looking the wrong way. Like Justin actually took that ball in an okay spot. But look, I, I again, I just oh god, get this, get this guy some damn help, man. I, I mean, it's, yep. it's 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 just and and, I, and here's what I will say. I, I thought Darnell Mooney had a good game. I mean, if you guys remember the replays, he was making Trayvon Diggs look like burnt toast out there. I mean, he he was you know Trayvon was playing a lot of off coverage and and, and it wasn't really pressing him at the line, wasn't really intimidating him at the line. But you know there were a lot of times where you know Darnell Mooney's running with his chest on the field and Trayvon Diggs is turned around. Uh, so I thought you know Mooney had a real good game and they did a good job of exposing that. Now I want to talk a little bit of defense real quick because uh, it doesn't really I know it doesn't really matter anymore. Like this defense is cooked anyway. But one thing that I thought was really curious and stupid by the Bears defensively was in the first couple drives of the game, like how many times did you see them just take the easy hitch routes, the easy slant routes on, on guys who were eight yards off the receiver? You're, you're, you're giving him eight yards of cushion. And I think Dak Prescott standing there, you know, hot routing Michael Gallup and, and, and CD lamb all day saying, dude, if Kendall Villar is going to play you eight yards, uh, you know, off, Guess what? We're gonna hot route a slant and, and get a, and get eight yards here. And they did that so many times, and the Bears did not adjust. I mean, how many? Do you guys remember how many times that happened? First downs were allowed, and 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 on third and six, let's just go. You know, Kendall Vildor is not pressing anyone at the line of scrimmage. Kyle Gore is not pressing anyone at the line of scrimmage. Let's just hot route him, get him. You know, right into a slant or a curl, easy first down, no no contest at the at the point. Like I, Kyle, I don't know if you know or Jake, if you guys saw that. As much as I did, I know you probably didn't go back and watch all the defensive snaps, Kellen. I sure did it. I was only <laughs> one man and one man He's only. Like, <laughs> but so I'll go to Jake. I mean, did you notice that? I just didn't know what the plan was there. I mean, it was really concerning. I just don't think there was a plan. I think the way you started there getting was, ga- you know, the it. way you started getting gashed immediately by Tony Pollard, like I think it was panic mode right away, and there's just an inability to adjust, which is fine for me because that's the first game that's happened. You know, that's the first game that Alan Williams defense has just truly fallen apart. Well, like that, uh, that's, like it fell apart game. against Minnesota in the first half when Justin Jefferson, but, had but, but then they, but then they bounced back. My point being it where did. it fell You're apart right. completely and it was unsalvageable. Like every other game so far, this defense has been able to pull themselves together or salvage some part, even if it's just for a half. So I think it's just that, you know, you got got, you got got for one game. Now show it. it now. Now show us next week how you adjust. You know, it, it, kind of like how I said after the Commanders game, offense has to show the fans how they adjust and how what changes you make. Defense has to do the same thing now. Like you have to do the exact same thing because mm-hmm. you're about to come up against an offense with two of the best wide receivers oh, in all of football. Dude, no, so, I, I, they might combine 
for 400 receiving yards. Like right. I, 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 they're I'm really terrified. good. They're really I'm good. Terrified. I'm terrified. Like I yeah. think the Bears can actually win that game, and we'll do our preview on Wednesday. But boy, oh boy, am I terrified of Tyree Kill. I mean that yeah, guy. I mean, he's on my fantasy team, so I don't know. They might, right. they might just so, murder you, and and they probably will because this defense is going nowhere fast because you just got rid of your two best players. And Ren, I still like, I still really like Jaquan Brisker. I think Eddie Jackson's doing a great job and having a great season. I still like Kyler Gordon, but everything outside of that, and Jalen Johnson, still like him. Obviously, still think he's an All Pro type player. Jackson outside of those, going to the outside of those four, Stop. those those guys are bad. Like this yeah. defensive line. Bad. Holy the linebackers, bad. bad. Like, it's going to be tough. Like, if you if you thought Sunday was bad, imagine what the Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Vikings are going to do to you. Yeah. It's not going to get better. Right. It's not going to get better, people. So here's – real quick. Um, I'll go to Kellen here because we're – go back to the draft real quick before we head out because obviously the attention is now turned to, to, to solely 2023 given the fact that <laughs> – I think the Bears are going to win a couple more games this year. I think they'll sure. actually go on a nice streak after this game. We're going to get Miami. a receiver tomorrow too. There's just no way we don't. Well, let's do that first, I guess, because we're going to put this out in about an hour. So so people will have some time to listen to this. And if, if you're listening to this after the fact, we apologize. I know in hindsight it's going to make us look stupid, but – what you really think so? Because I, I don't think Jerry Judy's going anywhere anymore. You tweet, you texted me yesterday. There's just no way. I don't think so. But Elijah Moore said in his press conference, "Dude, yeah. that guy might me just not Zach, show up to work tomorrow." He said, "Like me and Zach, Zach just doesn't throw me the ball. I don't know. Like that, that guy, he can't, he can't stick <laughs> Which in your though, wide I receiver say, room." I will say, is that a guy you really want to trade for? Yes, like, because like, Jake Zach Wilson is that bad. I'm no, I agree. I agree. But what what happens? What happens when the Bears get better receivers next year, and then he gets kicked down the depth chart again? I think. Do you want to have that situation? Point. I think, but that affords you the fact that you can put that money other places. And if that happens, then like shit, like he just like better guys play over him. Like that's just how it is. But like I think Elijah Moore could be a like I think him and Darnell Mooney could be a one A and a one B. Like I don't think either of them Ooh. are like solidified wide receiver ones, like no doubt in this league. But I think together, you put them together, you put the two of them together. Like it's it, it's like, I mean, Allen Robinson was a one. But like in 2021, he wasn't the one. And you saw how much Darnell Mooney benefited from that. You saw how much he benefited That's a from good it in point. 2020. So That's a good you don't, point. Just because you don't have a wide receiver one does not mean that having two guys who are top-tier wide receiver twos in your offense doesn't make it better. So now – now you don't have to worry about spending money in a free agent. You just get a first-round receiver. Now, boom, you've got – well, they're, they're going to re-sign Mooney probably. But then you've got two receivers on a rookie contract who are big playmakers for you. You've got Nikhil Harry, who's your big-body receiver, who you may re-sign as a prove-it guy. You've got Cole Komet for one more year, right? So let's say they get Jackson Smith and Jigba. Those five are probably your, your five receivers. And then you spend money on a tackle. You draft oh. – you know, or you, you spend, An edge? You know, spend money on an edge? Bradley Chubb's a free agent? I don't care where you spend the money as long as we get better, right? But right. I mean, I think I think a trade for Elijah Moore. I don't think he's as high. We couldn't talk about him like we talked about Jerry Judy, but I still think that he's a damn good player. His tape was damn good coming out of college, and I just don't know what it is with the Jets. But Denzel Mims was talented. He's not the greatest player. He, he's one of those guys that just his translation in the NFL didn't work. But the Jets they just have not. Man. They have not developed wide receivers. And Garrett Wilson is really well right now. Corey, yeah, Corey Davis. I will. I will say just on Elijah Moore in a vacuum. I feel like Ryan Poles is a risk averse GM. It's a very know? true point. And, and I feel like he's not going to want to go and use a draft pick 
Well, we're looking to kill Harry, though, right? I mean, that, that I mean, kind of Nikhil Nikhil Harry was a guy that just like, you know, I don't know. It just seems like for a seventh rounder, a fine. But, it, but a seventh rounder for Nikhil Harry. Elijah right, Moore is going to be way more than that. No, like, see, see, but so here's what I think the situation is for the Jets now, right? The Jets are a four and three football team who believe that they can probably, that they probably compete. believe that they can make the playoffs. They, they believe that and, and compete, right? And if, if there's truth to the fact that, okay, this controversy and this tension between Elijah Moore and Zach Wilson is fracturing the locker room, they might dish him out for far lower than what his actual value is just to get him out of there, just to to remove him from the situation. We've seen situations like this happen before uh, where where teams, you know, in an eagerness to get rid of somebody because of their impact on the team in a negative way, for whatever reason, it's not, again, it doesn't mean Elijah Moore is a bad teammate or a bad person. It's just... that relationship nope, appears to be bad guy it. confirmed. <laughs> no, but I, I think you could catch him in a situation where, hey, let, let's just get him out of here. You know, let, let's reset. We'll, we'll sell him away for a fifth round pick. We'll, and even even if they sell him for a fourth round pick, that's fine because we got two of them. I'd be totally fine trading a fourth for Elijah Moore and still having one more remaining for this year, plus the likely possibility of getting one more fourth round pick as a conditional pick from everything that you that you've now lost and and the algorithm that well, goes into conditional it, draft picks. The only thing with conditional picks is you might spend enough money where they cancel out so you might end up with no conditional picks yeah, as well. It's it's yeah, it, it's possible. So so here's my is thing. Is that really a rule? I did not know that was a thing. Well, yeah, because you know, if you're getting conditional picks for losing free agents, you have to give up picks then to sign free agents. So the algorithm's weird. It takes it ends up a, a factor, out. a lot of things, but you're right. Well, so here's it. here's the thing. I think Ryan Poles would rather wait and do his evaluations for receivers in the draft and then maybe use one of those fourth rounders to trade up rather than use it on Elijah Moore, who, a guy weird. who he can't, you know, spend all winter evaluating. It's just he's risk averse from what we've seen so far. I mean, look at the Ogan Joby yeah. side. Yes. Look how he bailed out of that. Like Look how, you know, if he really wanted a wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr. is still out there. If he wanted it that badly, you know, and all that he would call Kevin started. Trust me, I know how risky this is. That's why I'm bringing it up at the end of the show. But, you know, that only costs money as opposed to – so I I think Ryan Poles would rather hang on to those picks. He's been very careful and very intentional about how he's accumulated these picks through these trades. I don't think he's just looking to throw them away in the next week or so. Eric Fenton in the chat agrees with you. I just don't know if it's a throw. I think Elijah Moore can, especially on this roster, on this roster can where be. we have he no He can one. be. I, I don't disagree with that, but I think knowing what we know about polls so far, he, I could sure. be wrong. I could be an idiot, sure. but I think he'd but rather you've spend, also, I think he he'd rather spend all winter evaluating these guys. Correct, and he's done it, right? Like he, he, is, he has proven to have the ability to make this team better when he recognizes there's issues. Can you guys imagine what the offensive line configuration would have been last week had he not signed Riley Reef and Michael Schofield in August, could you even effing imagine who the hell would have played right tackle and who the hell would have played left guard? And Seriously. there was all a whole bunch of talks of trading Tevin Jenkins, and he didn't do that. And now Tevin Jenkins is one of the two best linemen we have on the offensive line. He's your best line, line. you know. He's your yeah. best line. <laughs> he is a potential <laughs> Pro Bowl right guard. Like yeah. I, I would, I would great. go that far. All right, before the trade deadline, let's do one last thing before we head out of here. Uh, you know, final prediction for trade deadline: Do they make a move? If so, who? Yes or no? Let's start with you, Jake. Do they make a move? Yes, and uh, if yes, who? If not, then we'll I on. think they're done. I, th- I think they're this done? is it. Yeah, selling think, or buying? Yeah, I think the two most obvious things have happened. I think they're good standing pat, unless something like crazy out of left field happens. Okay, Kellen. I think they trade for a receiver, and if I have to be more specific, I say they trade a fourth for Elijah Moore. Fourth for Elijah Moore. No, no one to sell. 
No. Yeah, I, I was I pondering so. Dave Montgomery. We just, we just spent all, all episode talking about how piss poor this roster is. I don't think any other trading anybody else. Oh, sure there is. I mean, Dave Montgomery. Also, uh, just, just so everybody knows, uh, the trade deadline is tomorrow. In yeah, case any of our viewers don't know. Yeah. Trade deadline tomorrow. Again, sorry Royal if you're listening to this after the fact that we just had this whole 10-minute com- uh, conversation. I'm going to say that they don't sell anyone else. I don't think the return you would get for Dave Montgomery is worth it in this era of running backs. And obviously, Eddie Jackson is a player who can you know, re- return to that Pro Bowl form, uh, obviously this year, but if not this year, then next year. I do think they do get a wide receiver as well. I, I think Ryan Poles has proven the ability to obviously be risk-avert, but also, you know, he name has names. said... It, name names. It, it, Again, Michael Schofield, Riley Reef, Nikhil Harry. No, name he, who he's going to trade for you. Oh, it, I'm also going Elijah Moore. There's names out there like Jerry Judy and Chase Claypool that are going to be floated around. But of all of the names, the the one that is most likely to be traded has to be Elijah Moore. It has to be. I mean, a, again, just the situation that's playing out there. And I think the value is dropping significantly for him. I think it makes the most sense for the Bears situation and for the Jets. I think they do trade for Elijah Moore tomorrow. Uh, and that'll be something. We might have to hop on back here tomorrow if they do that. But that's what I'm going with, Jake. All right. I'm well, make therapy a lot easier. Yeah, choose my <laughs> therapy. Yeah, maybe good one. Yeah. Well. All right. As usual, I'm the only one dying on the hill of doing nothing and negativity. But that is nothing new because I'm used boo. to it on this show. So yeah, whatever. Boo's in the chat. Yeah, boo this man. Boo. Uh, oh brother, this guy stinks. But whatever. I'm right, and I will continue to be right, and that's fine because that's, that's all that matters at the end of the year and at the end of the day. I will, so, d- 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 I will say, I don't want to hear the record. Even. Okay, no, you mute got, him. All right, this has you're been five Bears Nation the Podcast. Record. We're even. We're even. We're Shut good. Up. It's fine. This has been Bears Nation Podcast. Kellen, thank you for joining the Monday edition. We appreciate your expertise as always. Tune in to Tuesday Therapy with Kellen and Kevin tomorrow so they can pine and whine about Elijah Moore is not a bear. <laughs> But until then, your regularly scheduled programming of the preview episode will be back on Wednesday to break down the Dolphins and the Bears and the absolute terror that Jalen Waddle and Terry Kill will have. But until then, we appreciate you all who tune in live, who comment, who watch live, and of course, our podcast listeners, we love you too. So until Wednesday, we will see you then. And as always, fair enough.